She loves me. She don't love me. She'll marry me. She won't marry me. She will. She won't. Greetings, Starfighters. Thank you for tuning in to Ruined Childhoods, a podcast about cult and classic movies and how we would revisit them with something funky and fresh. My name is John, and I am what I am, and with me, as always, is my brother Dan. Are you yam what you yam, Dan? I am what I am, and that's all that I am. I I considered doing the, like, adding a sk in the middle of things, but I'm just like, I can't. I don't think I could sustain that for more than a slowly produced word. You know, I'll be honest with you, John, that was a roll of the dice on my end, and I feel like I... I made it through. That's one of those hidden language things that probably takes a lot of practice to do. Or you're just uh, a total weirdo and you're born to do the Popeye sounds. Either. or <laughs> There's two people I can think of that fit that bill and one of them stars as Popeye in the movie Popeye. Is the so. other Dave Coulier? Yes, yeah, 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 of course. Yes, those are the two that I know of. But anyway, we're not going to jump right into Popeye. No, have you been watching anything good lately? I have. So John and Starfighters, I took a trip to London last week and it was we're recording this right now, June 23rd, and yeah. a week ago today I uh, visited Stonehenge. I'd never been before, so this was really exciting to to go to London and see Stonehenge and um I if you follow us on Instagram at ruined childhoods pod, you saw Please um, do, if you don't already. The photo I posted where I'm standing outside of a house where Alfred Hitchcock lived. Yeah. For I think he lived there for about 20 years, you know? Okay. Yeah, I think it would like, you know, earlier in his career, I think he lived there until like 1939. Okay. So anyway, you know, um, did that, saw some other sites, went to see a play at, at the Globe, which uh, Shakespeare's uh, yes. Globe, the recreation, which I had not realized was a project that was initiated and spearheaded by the late actor, American actor, Sam Wanamaker. Because the original Shakespeare's original globe burnt down right. and Wanamaker felt that the world needed to have Shakespeare's globe and that like, you know, it should be a place where people should should be able to go to see it performed. So he had it uh, a detailed reconstruction created and he did not 
live, uh, unfortunately, to to see it completed, um, which I believe it was finished in 1997 um, around there. Well, yeah, and the original Globe, I, I mean, the, glo- the Globe that a lot of people probably know had USSR on it, and so the new one actually says Russia now. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. Very good. Very Thank good. You. Thank okay. you. Okay. Yes. It's like playing an old cop version of Trivial Pursuit where you, you if you if you don't oh, bo- yeah. if you can't mentally put yourself in 1985, you're screwed. Yeah, at, at least 30% of the cards say Soviet Union on them somewhere. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So um anyway, going back to um my London trip and kind of what's relevant to us is I also did my uh, wife and I did a walking tour of Harry Potter filming locations and and also other places that locations were modeled after. Got it. Uh, so like Diagon Alley. Sure. You know, like I wasn't like I walk. you know, like Nocturne Alley. It wasn't like I was able to go into a shop for the dark arts and things like that. Right. But you right. looked at it and you were just like, oh, yeah. OK, yeah, I, could, I, I get it. That. Yeah. You know, the outside of the leaky cauldron. So so you did some real pop culture touristy stuff. And I would well, and I would yeah. lump Stonehenge into that because of this a spinal tap. Oh, absolutely, and I listened to Stonehenge on the Good. shuttle from the because I like I have to, and that was also the same day that uh, on the on the bus ride back from Stonehenge, King Charles, oh, yes. passed our our bus in in a car. In his car. Yeah, no, yeah. no. So he was, uh, yeah, his motorcade kind of stopped, and it, not the the brouhaha one would expect of of like a king. And yeah, well, I mean, I think that with him, it's just like, all right, a stepping yeah. stone until until we get the the real deal, probably not too long from now. So anyway, yeah. And uh, did he wave you know, his chubby little fingers at you? Yeah, no, he was doing some work uh, in the backseat with really. Whoever. What does a king do for work? Yeah, he was going over papers. Well, also, this was the day before. So on uh, this past Saturday, so that would have been the seventeenth, it uh, June seventeenth. It uh, it was the ceremony for for trooping the color, and it's kind of like it's this thing that happened once a year happens once a year, but this year was a little more special because it was going to be the first year in over forty years that the monarch was going to be riding a horse in the ceremony. Oh, good golly. So it was like, you know, and it was to be a tourist in London for it. It was, I was kind of like, okay, well, you know what? That's going to be happening here on the map. I'm going to be way the hell over there. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to be anywhere near Buckingham Palace while this is going on. And that's fine because we were on our Harry Potter tour. Sure. And like we saw all the flyovers of all the, you know, Royal Air Force planes. And, uh, you know, that was really, you know, something unique and, and interesting and yeah. Yes, yes. It was anyway, it was a great trip and you know my plan was to watch Popeye on uh. on one of my flights, but for some reason my uh my download on the Paramount Plus app didn't wasn't playing. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I couldn't really commit to a movie on the way on the way there. I watched a good amount of of bullet train, which was okay. fun. I enjoyed, it's fun. You know what? It, yeah, you saw it. Yeah, 
yeah, it's that's exactly what it is. It's okay. Yeah, it's fun. It's you know, it's very you know, guy, guy like like guy Richie energy and sure, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just kind of yeah. It's I liked it. A guy Richie can be a bit too much for me. I liked Wrath of Man. I didn't see that one. It's an above average guy Richie. Got it. Okay. So you watched Bullet Train. So I watched I watched a good amount of Bullet Train, and on the way back, I decided to watch The Whale because. Uh, yes. I was like, I don't know when else I'm going to just be in the mood. And like, I'm like, I've got enough. I'm on this plane for eight hours. I've got time to watch this and then palate cleanse. So how did you palate cleanse? I think I watched the Velvet Underground documentary that um, Todd Haynes made. I really I enjoyed that. I Todd Haynes is great. I liked the Velvet Underground, but did not know enough or you know, did not know as much as I suppose there was to know about them. Well, that's what happens when you watch a documentary. This you is hopefully tr- learn something I, that you didn't I know, know before. I know. I'm like, I'm trying. I'm. You know what? It was a good documentary. I enjoyed watching it. But I watched the whale, and I'm so glad that I did. I always find Darren Ar- Aronofsky's films to be interesting, sure. and the asterisk is that I did have not seen Noah. Nor have I right. seen Mother. I did see Noah, and I I didn't love it. It was a bit much for me. I haven't seen Mother, or Mother, because there's an exclamation yes. point at the end. <laughs> yes, but Darren Darren Aronofsky. I mean, great track record. Typically, you know, had some really standout hits. Black Swan. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you got your Black Swan, your Requiem for the for a Dream, the yeah. Wrestler. I and the wrestler. I think mm-hmm. the Whale definitely falls closer to the to the Wrestler sure. in, yeah. you know, just in terms of it's a character piece, and yeah, the themes of um, you know, a father reconnecting, yeah, with a child with a daughter, uh, yeah. in in both films, but the whale has its own story, and of course, it's based on a play, which makes uh so yeah. much mm-hmm. so much sense. As I was, uh, I don't know that I knew that before watching it. If I did, I forgot, and I just kept thinking as I was watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, I could see this working on stage. Yeah, well, I mean, it has worked on stage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly, but it also really works on film, and the way that the story unfolds is, I think, really nice, and the performances are yeah. really, re- not just Brendan Fraser. Sure. Who's Everybody, amazing. Everybody Sadie Singh, Hong Chow. Hong Chow, who Academy Award nominated. Love in the menu. Fantastic in the menu. I've just two very different roles all coming out at the same time. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but like like she's an actress that I really want to uh I'm like I wanna I wanna see more of her work. I I don't think you'll have to wait very long. (laughs) No, no, I certainly certainly don't. The kid who plays the missionary Yeah, um, I don't remember his name. Yeah. He was very good. Uh anyway, I the whale uh you know highly recommended, very um very emotional, but I think very elegantly and gracefully done even though like very like Aronofsky doesn't pull punches. Yeah. He, he not known to do that. Doesn't pull punches and also is uh always looking to further the medium with his work, not bucking to trends. And I appreciate that and that really connects very strongly to our director of the week. 
Yes, and I will add to that before putting a bow on it, is that even in his films that are not as, like, Black Swan is very, like, you know, cinematic and, and very, you know, appropriate to its subject matter, but I feel like he is just as bold and just as daring in the more intimate, simplistic work, you know, um, the the wrestler and the the yeah. the and then W and then wrestler and Hale. I don't know if that's the trend. Uh, maybe the fountain should have had a, a W and it would maybe. have been that maybe. was a good movie to see in the theater. But anyway, we're here to talk about Robert Altman. Yeah, and, and Dan, uh, just as you uh, you know clen- cleansed your palate with the documentary, I, I uh, took in a documentary this past week, Altman. The documentary about Robert Altman. I was going Altman. to ask you, okay, yeah. question answered. Okay, okay. so yes. on our last episode, I I mentioned a few movies that I wanted to watch in preparation to talk about Popeye, the, directed by Robert Altman. And what I ended up watching, just based on what I could get access to, was uh, MASH, California Split, and Shortcuts. And then uh, not directed by Robert Altman, but Altman, the documentary about Robert Altman. Which was very fascinating, and I didn't think that it was necessarily a great documentary. It was extremely one-sided. Everything was just like, oh, he's so great. It was a real puff piece. Uh, But if you just want to have like, oh, and then this year he did this, and this year he did that, and uh, not really talk about any of the, you know, I don't know, bad stuff that, you know, the bad things about him. I also think having seen it that, you know, watching it in preparation for talking about one of his films on a podcast, yeah. that's it's perfect. There it's you go. adequate. It's, but as a movie itself, I was like, this no, it's is a not Wikipedia, very good. It's a Wikipedia page. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's kind of great that there was so much uh, footage and and photos from oh, such yeah. a long time ago. Uh, you the know, home dating, films. The, all the home the, movies and everything. Yeah. I mean, that was that was worth it to kind of just see all of that kind of come to life but yeah i watched i watched mash uh and california split and then today i watched shortcuts which uh three hours that's that's a that's a longie it's that was a double vhs (laughs) sure yeah deservedly so oh and i watched the player i also watched the player all right yeah. Great. Yeah. So, um, uh, all right. I mean, I guess, and and this was really your your first. And of course, I watched Popeye. Well, yes. And then prior to this, I had you seen any of his? Well, I mean, the long goodbye. Yes, the long goodbye. <laughs> of course. Yes, we had this discussion on the yeah, last episode. I yep. have seen the player before. I am pretty sure that I saw Mash at some point. Probably it's some we, scenes. We had the familiar. laser disc in our home. I don't think I ever saw it on laser disc. I never. I don't remember a laser disc actually ever being played. Okay, the only laser disc oh, I except- ever remember. You know what I'm about to say. Go for it. So yeah. I, okay, our father got a laser disc player, and I think by the request of a friend, and only really got a, a few laser discs, but I believe only one of them really ever made it on the rotation which was Apollo 13, because our father had, then this is a time when this wasn't as common, but had surround sound put in and just loved watching that launch sequence. He wouldn't even watch the whole movie. But that launch sequence, <laughs> man, that oh, made the just house to shake. Make, just he loved to make it. the house shake. He loved it. 
<laughs> I and you know what? I I want him to be happy. I want him to have those house shaking Apollo thirteen launch moments. I'm pretty sure I, I might have. I, I think I got it for him on Blu-ray once they got a Blu-ray player. But he already has the laserdisc. What's in the, the house? Stewart's audio won't fix Stewart's. the laserdisc player anymore. Wow, <laughs> very niche. Uh, Northern Central New Jersey yeah, audio Union video County. supplier. So uh, yeah, we're North we're Dan Avenue, and I shout out. All we're, right, yeah, we're we're Dan and I are going to be heading back uh, for a brief visit soon. Uh, I'm very excited about that. Uh, so yeah, Popeye. This was a movie that you and I I feel really grew up with. I don't know if we must have had it on tape. No, it was on HBO. It was on HBO. A lot. It must have been... Okay. Knowing a little bit more about the the way that licensing works for any type of distribution, I can, I can see how certain movies got played ad nauseum on Comedy Central or HBO. I mean, like... PCU, just one of the guys. Like there are these movies that you just know because you've been, you were served them all the time when you would turn on the TV and be like, well, I guess I'll just watch this because it's on. And yeah. it was on because it was probably really cheap for the, for the, for HBO or for Comedy Central to get the rights to. And so Popeye, which was a critical and box office failure, I'm sure was kind of in the in the dollar bin, so to speak. So, but I, I it's definitely gotten like cult status in the in the more recent years. Yes, well, yeah, it's kind of it's it it is um you know benefiting from some revisionist critique, uh, and you know it did, uh, it did make. Money. It, it made did, money, you know, but not what they were hoping. I mean, they were really bank. I mean, this was Disney, and uh, it was it was a big was thing. They were Disney really, and well, it was Disney and Paramount. Disney and, and Paramount, it, and it was the backstory that Paramount and Columbia were in a bidding war for Annie for the rights right. to Annie, and when Paramount lost that, Robert Evans was just like, "Are we need one? We need an Annie." Yeah, and. And Popeye, he found out that he could get the rights to Popeye yeah, and just chose it. And this was also the film debut for Robin Williams, who didn't really have much else film-wise for a few years after this, but uh, it was quite a bit later until- Garp, he, like, I think. Was Garp his next one after this? Uh, possibly, but he didn't really like blow up in terms of his uh, film work for until- probably later 80s which i think is probably one of the reasons why uh he he never spoke too highly of uh of this movie so well, yeah i mean this was you know he was he was mork from Ork, yeah. and stand-up comedian from san francisco and you know that was it and this was going to be a star making moment for him and i imagine that it it was a you know, a really difficult process, uh, a difficult this this is a production that historically had a lot of things go wrong. Oh, yeah. And uh, they had they had like a three week rain delay at the beginning. They couldn't even they lost millions before they even like filmed anything. Well, they built this whole village of 
Uh, and, and you know what? I'm sorry, John. Before we get into the details, the specifics of the movie, because if I'm going to talk about Sweet Haven, we might Should as well I synopsize? get into it. Well, so actually, before we do, I wanted to talk mm. just a little bit about the character of Popeye. Oh, okay. And do you? I I did a little research. Oh, Dan, I've got a whole timeline. Oh well, okay. Now, does your timeline include um, 1868 in Poland? The birth of Frank Fe- um, Fiegel. <laughs> no, it doesn't. My my timeline starts in 1919. Well, then I will take you to, to 1919, but okay. we're going to start in 1868. And I'm getting my information here from the Coast Guard Auxiliary website. Oh, wonderful! Because this is about uh, you know, one of their one of their own. So Frank Rocky Fiegel was born in Poland in 1868 and his family uh, when he was young uh, emigrated to the United States and settled down in Illinois. And then when Rocky, you know, I think as soon as he was old enough to, he, you know, went to sea and was a, you know, he spent 20 years in the merchant Marines and then retired and then later on, you know, he, you know, was living around, uh, back in Illinois, was hired by a, a tavern, uh, Wybush or Weebush's Tavern in Chester, Illinois, as like as a bouncer. He very quickly developed a reputation for always being involved in fighting. Mm. He usually won, but through those fights gained a deformed eye. Oh, interesting. Ah, now, he also always smoked his pipe, so he spoke out of one side of his mouth. Oh, my now, God. Now, in his spare time, like as a, when he was a bouncer, when he wasn't fighting, he would talk to the customers and he would tell them all these stories of all these adventures that he claimed to have when he was in the Merchant Marines and would refer to like crossing the seven seas. Oh, my God. Now... I'm going to bring somebody else into the picture, and that person is L.Z. Chrysler Seeger, E.C. Seeger, the creator of Popeye, who grew up in Chester and met Rocky at the tavern and would sit there and listen for hours to this guy. And then um, years later, when uh, um, and I'm guessing this takes us to 1919 with the creation of Thimble Theater. Well, yeah, Thimble Theater uh, started at the end of 1919 in the New York Journal. And this really focused on olive oil and the a lot of the other also cast of characters. loosely based on an actual person. Oh, my God. I love that. Dora but it's, Pascal. But it's, not until, but it's not until yeah. 1929, 10 years later, that Popeye actually makes his debut in Thimble Theater. And his whole, like, he was like a side character. He was like a nothing character, but... I guess I guess the New York Journal got letters <laughs> demanding more Popeye. Uh, there there certainly wouldn't be uh, you know tweets or anything about it or TikTok videos about like check out this comic strip of this dude. So uh, it wasn't even until that August of 1929 that Popeye became uh, entangled with olive oil in a in a romantic relationship. Romantically, <laughs> see, I screwed it up there. I don't know. Yeah. So the character yeah. of Popeye is born. I can continue on with my full-on uh, timeline. Uh, oh, yeah. And just by the way, this guy but it, like totally gave his blessing to create Popeye oh, nice. after him. And the guy like... Lo- and actually, Seeger kept, stayed in touch with Rocky and kept sending him money. 
I was going to um, say, dude better have some sort of stake with his estate or something. I don't know. I mean, I but yeah, no, no, no. Seeger took care of him, yeah. man. But Popeye is maybe one of the last cartoon characters I would have guessed is based on a real person. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. There, I wonder you know, what his and, forearms were like. Or his um, calves. Yeah. No, they were ovular and had. <laughs> Oblong. Um, yeah. Engorged. Uh, All right, so, so a little yeah. bit more about the timeline. So between 1931 and 1936, the character of Popeye is credited with boosting spinach sales, according to the like spinach council of America, the world. I don't know. But uh, sticking in 1931, that April, we have the character of Wimpy debuting his catchphrase, our hamburger, our hamburger loving friend uh, in September of 32. Bluto makes his debut. Uh, in July of 1933, Popeye makes his screen debut, which included his signature voice and theme song, Popeye the Sailor Man. Uh, 1933 in July, so actually only about a week and a half after that uh, that film came out, which I think was part of a Betty Boop film. Anyway, uh, so that about a week later, Sweepy made his debut on the on the comic strip. Uh, 33, Popeye gets his own TV show. 35, Popeye makes his radio show debut. Okay, 1937, Crystal City, Texas, the spinach capital of the world, erects a statue honoring Popeye. Did you know that there was a spinach capital of the world? And it is in Crystal City, Texas. Wow, no and no. So 1948, the Popeye comic book series debuts. 1960, a new Popeye animated series debuts. In 76, Popeye Magazine launches. Now, this is a, what they say is, the first fashion and lifestyle magazine to be published in Japan that targets young Japanese men. The only reason why it's called Popeye Magazine is because the creator's son loved Popeye. That's the only reason why it's called that. But on the cover, there's Popeye. And then in 1978, a new Popeye animated series debuts on CBS Sunday mornings. 1980, we're about to get to in a little bit. 82, there's a Popeye arcade game. 1997, there's another animated series called Popeye and Son. 2004, Fox airs a 3D CGI Popeye movie called Popeye's Voyage, The Quest for Pappy. And that is, uh, you know, it's not like theatrically released or anything like that. This is something that we're going to, that we can talk about more later. But in 2010, Sony Animation announces a new Popeye movie. A sample of it got, it didn't get leaked. It got kind of released in 2014 yeah. uh, to be directed by uh, Gendy Tartakovsky. But then Amy Pascal, this was right around the time of the Sony hack. Oh, yeah. So I think that they were just like freaking out about everything. And Amy Pascal just didn't want to make the movie that Gendy wanted to make. And so it got scrapped. There were talks about starting it up again, but then that all kind of went away. Uh, And then in 2018, Popeye's Island Adventures debuts on YouTube. None of this is at all talking about the impact that it's had on fashion lines, fragrances. There's been so much Popeye shit. It's bananas. Fast food. Did two. Two? Well, because... Meatball subs? Wimpy's. No. Uh, oh, Wimpy's. Wimpy's hamburgers and Popeye's chicken. Wimpy's hamburgers. I completely forgot about Wimpy's hamburgers. I know, right? Now, does that Wimpy, still exist? Wimpy. It does still exist. 
The origins. The Wimpy brand was established in 1934 by Edward Gold when he opened his first location in Bloomington, Indiana, under the name Wimpy Grills. The name was inspired by the character of Jay Wellington Wimpy from the Popeye cartoons. Fancy that. Right? And uh, Popeye's Restaurant. So that one, I'm trying to see what the origin exactly. The chain uh, later. Okay. So Alvin C. Copeland claims he named the stores after the fictional detective Jimmy Popeye Doyle, portrayed by Gene Hackman in The French Connection, which came out about a year before the chain was founded and not the comic strip character of Popeye the Sailor. However, the company's early brand became deeply tied to the cartoon star with its sponsorship of the Popeye and Pals children's show in New Orleans, and the character appeared on items from packaging to racing boats. The chain later acquired the rights to use the Popeye the Sailor for marketing and uses for 35 years. 2012, they ended their association with the Popeye characters. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. I never... Again, I never would have guessed that. I just assumed, especially because they use this the font, that yeah, I it seems a little too similar. But I, I I'm now I, I just love the Wimpy, though. I love the idea that there's like a a fried chicken chain that is is named after Popeye the Doyle in the French Connection. <laughs> I know you didn't see that one coming, huh? No, damn. I'm just, I'm imagining like, God, like Gene Hackman in those commercials, but like at that time. Yeah, right. Just like walking into frame, like taking a bite out of the chicken, just like looking very seriously at the camera, just being like, it's good fried chicken. Like, maybe we should go with the cartoon sailor instead. Who has no connection to fried chicken whatsoever, but whatever. Yeah. You so, get spinach as a side, right? <laughs> uh, shall I synopsize our Let's... 1980 film directed by Robert Altman, starring Robin Williams, Shelley Duvall? Please do. Shall we? Okay. Yes. <laughs> a sailor named Popeye has spent the past 30 years exploring the world in a search for his long-lost father and ultimately docks in a rundown town called Sea Haven, which is filled with a series of unique characters. First, he meets a tax collector who informs Popeye that basically anything can be taxed and gets taxed by orders of the Commodore. The residents of Sea Haven seem to not take kindly to strangers and don't give Popeye the warmest welcome, but he does find a hint of kindness in the oil family who run a boarding house in which Popeye has rented a room. On the evening that Popeye arrives, the oil household is filled with people celebrating the engagement of the young, bubbly, surly, and slightly aloof olive oil to Bluto, the burly and temperamental enforcer for the elusive Commodore. When we witness Olive demonstrating her reluctance as she plans her secret escape from, sweet, from Sea Haven, uh, but after sneaking out, she encounters Popeye. Their chance meeting is met with ire from Olive, but when they discover that her basket has been swapped out by a mysterious stranger with an identical one containing a baby, her mood shifts. Popeye reads a note on the baby, saying that his parents can't handle the responsibility and want him to raise the child. Given that Popeye was also an abandoned child, he rises to the occasion and vows to raise the boy, who he names Sweet Pea. Olive is equally taken by Sweet Pea, and they decide to raise the boy together. After discovering this change in plans, Pluto takes it upon himself to fight Popeye and tax the ever-loving hell out of the oil family, leaving them penniless. Always looking to lend a hand, Popeye earns the family's respect by competing in a boxing match against the seemingly unbeatable Oxblood Oxheart, which provides them with the wealth they need to get out of their hole. 
What they soon realize, though, is that through subtle reactions, Sweepy is actually able to predict the future. He is taken by a local burger enthusiast named Wimpy to the racetrack to place some bets in an effort to save the family from further poverty. Witnessing the talents of this baby genius, Bluto orders Wimpy to kidnap Sweepy so the baby can be used by Bluto and the Commodore to find a hidden treasure. You getting all this? Once Popeye catches wind, he storms into the Commodore's boat, discovering that it's actually his long-lost father, Poop Deck Pappy, an undeniable fact that Poop Deck refuses to acknowledge. Meanwhile, Bluto has kidnapped Olive Oil and Sweepy and is in search of the treasure. Popeye, Poop Deck, and the Oils chase after Bluto in an effort to rescue Olive and Sweepy. Spoiler alert! Once they get to the small island, Popeye fights Bluto while Poop Deck uncovers the treasure, which is evidence of his sentiment for his long-lost son. The treasure chest also has some cans of spinach, Popeye's least favorite food. But after Bluto forces some down Popeye's gullet, he springs into action, beats the tar to Bluto, and rescues olive oil. <sighs> so yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh <laughs> okay. Also some other uh some other actors of of note. Uh we have Paul L. Smith as Bluto, Paul Dooley, a Robert Altman mainstay as Wimpy. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Ray Walston as Poop Deck Pappy, who I, who's shown up in some other Altman movies. Uh, Donald Moffat as the Taxman. Uh, yes, he was in. Oh, I know he was in something else that I just watched. Uh, maybe it was The Player. Okay, I mean, geez, everyone in Hollywood was. Yeah, in the I, I think it was just The Player. Uh, we have Roberta Maxwell as Nana Oil. Donovan Scott as Castor Oil. Donovan Scott, of course, of Police Academy. Of Police Academy, that's right. This is also the screen debut of Linda Hunt. Linda Hunt, of course, from If Looks Could Kill. And uh, also (laughs) Bill Irwin as Ham Gravy, who a lot of people would know as uh, Mr. Noodle. But I... I know that they they sourced a lot of the actors in this from a, a circus troupe, the like the pickle yeah. players or something like that. Yeah, I, the piccolo Pukula, poop, the piccolo Pukula brothers. Uh, yeah. Geez, yeah. Oh, I thought uh, the same thing. Mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. No, I don't know. So yeah, it's really a fantastic cast of characters, yeah. and what I think is really exceptional about not just the cast, but also like the costume design and everything is that. Everybody feels authentic to the location, this yes. town they built in Malta for yeah, this movie. That you can go visit. Then you can, it is a tourist attraction dedicated to Popeye. Uh, it was closed for a while in COVID, but it just reopened. It's I kind would, of amazing. I want to go. Yeah, I would go. Let's I, go to Malta. Um, Why are absolutely. we not recording this in Malta? I... D- Probably for the same reasons why Robert Altman uh, uh, lost to the studio so much money. <laughs> well, n- n- no, look, I doubt that nearly that much booze and cocaine would be involved if we went to Malta. Yeah, I don't think much at all would be involved. No, no, no. Um, uh, no. But yeah, it's actually like an amusement park. It's like a a big like, thing. Yeah, Popeye, you can do Popeye Village. You can do like weddings and stuff there. Okay. It's fascinating. Yeah, I was right. I was like really getting deep into this this whole Popeye Village thing. That's why. Yeah. So, but getting back to the to the look of it. So, they definitely reference the depression 
that there's yes. a depression going on. And it's interesting because it's another parallel with Annie. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, was Robert Evans that specific about his demands? Yeah. Get me a musical based on a comic strip set during the Great Depression that will make people happy. Dan, can I tell and you involve a kid? Can I tell you kind of a, a funny personal like Robert Evans story? I never met the guy, oh. but oh. can I? T- so yes. when I was in college, I had learned that there was a a movie that had come out that I was very interested in seeing, and I got a chance to see it when it was released on DVD, and. Uh, I uh, rented the movie that I thought that I was going to be watching that was the true story of a game show host that was actually a CIA operative played by Sam Rockwell. The movie was Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, but for some reason in my mind, I got it confused with The Kid Stays in the Picture. (laughs) And uh, I get the DVD for The Kid Stays in the Picture. The Robert Evans documentary. And which is I, a treat. <laughs> which is bonkers. It is something oh. else. And But I did not, like, for the first few minutes, I was like, okay, I feel like they're lingering on this, like, documentary style thing for a little too long. And then, like, it occurred to me, it's like, oh, no, I have just completely the wrong movie. And then, you know, then I watch think It Stays in the Picture. Right, yeah, which yeah. once you realize it's a documentary about Robert Evans yeah. makes much more sense. It makes way more sense. And so uh, I learned a lot about Robert Evans that day. I wish I remembered <sighs> all of that information. But uh, yeah, what I also love about Robert Evans is the Mr. Show sketch that uh, where Bob Odenkirk is recording uh, an audiobook as God, and it's his autobiography, but he's doing it as Robert Evans in the style of Robert Evans, the way that he speaks, he's just like, was I right? I was worse than right. I was wrong. Like it was, you know, this is very overly dramatic way of speaking. And I, uh, the way that Bob Odenkirk did, it was flawless. I always go back to Pat Oswalt's Robert Evans impressions. He had this bit. uh, It's like, I like his, first or second album he does it where it's like i guess espn had hired robert evans to do like voiceovers for their ads okay. so it's it's like robert evans intertwining the, like the types of stories that you see in the kids days in the picture with <laughs> college football every sunday starting at noon on espn it, uh, yeah robert evans had such a very specific way of speaking and i guess his autobiography i mean like the whole the kids days in the picture thing like i don't know oh yeah you you definitely yes having seen having seen that that film yes absolutely so you you can understand already so robert evans is kind of right so you have robert evans who brought on robert altman for this who you know was kind of you know was given the script but then was just encouraged i think by his family being like oh yeah you're doing a Popeye movie great and then of course teams up with Harry Nilsson to do the music when I find it really interesting that for both Robert Altman and Harry Nilsson they're kind of at a dip in their career they both you know they they started That's why off Altman hired him they were regarded so highly and they just had like bomb after bomb. Well, but also they were, they had these reputations for being difficult because every, Mm -hmm. like 
apparently everyone except for Robin Williams was telling Altman, don't hire Nilsson. If he shows up at all, he's going to be drunk. He's not going to do yeah. anything. Well, this was not too long after he was just rebel rebel rousing at the troubadour oh. with John Lennon and, you know, just causing a ruckus. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. He earned the reputation. Yeah. But also his music and uh, another gr- great, I feel like we're on this documentary run here. Yeah. Who is Harry Nilsson and why is everyone talking about him? Yeah, a great documentary. And which just shows you... That documentary is great because it does show you this guy really fucked up over and over again. I mean, it wouldn't be much of a documentary if they couldn't show you that because he... Yeah, but um, I, I, I have you ever um, have you are you into his music at all? Yeah, or? I love it. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I love Nilsson Schmilson is Nilsson Schmilson's uh, a classic. Ariel Ballet. Yeah, they're they're, classics. but his style of songwriting, I feel, fits this movie so well. Not just because he knows his way around a, a shanty. <laughs> But also just like thematically, there's always this kind of juxtaposition of like something being a little off. I think that's kind of a running theme throughout this movie, both in as a viewer, but also in the the presentation is that things are just a little off. And there are no right angles. And that goes for (laughs) Sweet Haven and Harry Nilsson's music. Yes. Everything is just slightly askew. Did you have an opportunity to listen to the Popeye soundtrack, the most like recent edition with like the Harry Nilsson demos and everything. Um, I didn't listen to the Harry Nilsson demos, but great. I happened to listen to a few tracks of the soundtrack, and I'm glad I did just because in some of the songs in the context of the film, because they were like recorded live. Yeah. They're they're a bit muddled and they're it's kind of like you're watching the movie and you're like, is there a music? Is this a song? Is there music? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, this is a song. Whereas listening to it on the soundtrack where it's more like mastered and recorded, like, you know, it's presented as the soundtrack. I think it really highlights the the strengths of the songs better. It's available on Spotify and Apple Music and all those. Uh, If you listen to the demo, the Harry Nilsson demos and Mm -hmm. the ones where he's like recording like certain things with like Shelley Duvall, it's great. And it's a really awesome uh, peek behind the curtain of kind of these songs coming together and uh Shelley Duvall we need to talk about just well, an absolute perfect olive oil so and I think I think our theme right now is is about how all of these pieces fit so perfectly yeah. to create a, a Popeye movie a live action Popeye movie yeah that really carries the spirit of the 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 classic cartoons yeah uh, um and Shelley Duvall is like flawless and it's so um, like hard to believe she was not the first choice she was not the second choice she's she's incredible i feel like we really uh let down a legend you know and i i hate that what happened to her just ruined her feelings on acting because she was so excellent you know yeah the shining really did one on her Oh, yeah. Well, well, that was she. this was the next movie she did, I think, after The Shining. Yeah. And for her, she was just like, this is heaven. Yeah. 
you know, like there are a lot, you know, like people complete, there's some people who complained about, about the experience and then other people like Shelly Duvall just, you know, this is bliss. This is so much fun. Yeah. And you can tell she's having fun doing it. And she is so, per- even like the singing, it's like, yes, this is how olive oil should sound. Yeah. Singing a song. Well, also this, this is also home for her. You know, she was discovered by Robert Altman. She was one of Robert Altman's choice actors and really developed her as an actor. She was really just a, not a socialite, but really just a person out on the scene. And uh, Robert Altman just kind of like plucked her up and developed her into an actor. And I remember reading something a while ago about how you know, he was really pissed off when she went and did The Shining. And so I'm glad that they were able to, um, dare I say, bury the hatchet and, and have her come back for uh, for Popeye. Wow, I didn't realize that that was going to be so on the nose. I, I Yeah, wow. But no, uh, she's like, I, I can't think of anybody, especially at that time, who would be better than she would be as playing olive oil no perfect choice yeah perfect choice and robin williams i mean i love him in this role and it's not because he's robin williams it's because he's having fun with it and he's i don't know he just kind of falls into this character and he does kind of his a, a different kind of spin on popeye he's not just replicating the animated popeye well, no, and there's the added depth to it. And it was like something that Shelley Duvall said about this character was she actually felt like it had some depth compared to a lot mm-hmm. of other roles she had played. <laughs> you know, like the scene where they're both singing, you know, they're singing to Sweepy. Yeah. I There's those really, really nice moments. She wants to find the right guy. You know, it's not that she doesn't want to get married. Well, I think that it's but- saying that Bluto is like the third person she was engaged to or something and, and left something yeah like that. yeah yeah and she, you know she's got that great song that uh, you know she nails uh shelly duvall that he's large yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and you know that's one of the songs there's so many we talked before about growing up on this yeah watching the movie every time i i rewatch it you know at least every um, 10 years so much of it, it just feels fresh. And it's like, yes, I remember this is exactly like when I think of this movie, I think of this image and something that I remember very strongly. And I'm wondering if you do as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it it comes to the it's it's the ending. I always remember because we watched it on HBO in a pan and scan transfer. <laughs> okay. That especially at the end end before the credits roll when they're like in the like it's all in the water and he's doing the whole dance and everything instead of just like cutting off part of the screen they would like squeeze it in and everything was kind of stretched out which every now and again you'd get a movie like like that but i i remembered that and it was almost like i wasn't sad but i wouldn't have complained if at that moment when I was watching it, just like the screen had gone to pan and scan to like squish yeah. it in just to match that memory. <laughs> that and like the, her screaming octopusy, especially because mm. this is like three years before a movie comes out called Octopus. Yeah. That has nothing to do with Popeye, but 
Yeah. What are you saying? Like, what about it sticks out for me like, from watching it as a kid? Yeah. Like, what are those moments that either like, e- even if you haven't seen this movie in 20 years, someone mentions the movie to you, you're like, oh, right. Yes, that. Uh, I think that his boxing match is with Oxblood is a standout moment for me. The way that he, you know, uses people's faces as a speed bag, like that yeah. whole thing is so good. In his, in the moment where Bluto sees Popeye and olive oil toward the beginning and then everything turns red, I don't think I understood what that meant, you know, just like he's seeing red and everything, but like just that visual of that was so striking to me. The definitely the the sweet sweet haven song. Yeah. I mean, that's stuck in my head all the time. It's been stuck in my head all week. That the, song Everything yeah. is Food. Everything is food to I a lesser extent. I would gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Everything is food is an interesting one and I wonder if the like depression era aspect of it is the reason why it's hyped up so much, but I don't know. The song doesn't do it for me as much. I am what I am is a really funny one. Um, going back to everything is food, listening to that on the soundtrack uh, to me, I thought I was able to kind of like discern the lyrics a bit better. Uh huh. So I actually do feel like that depression setting does impact that section that like everything is, Everything is food. That's all we're trying to do is, you know, feed our families. That's everything is upside down. Everything is sunny side up. It's ubiquitous, enigmatic, and they can't trick us with a hot dogmatic. (laughs) I mean, those are some those are some pretty strong lyrics. Something else that I wanted to point out about the lyrics for Sweet Sweet Haven is that there's this this one line where it's like swept people from the sea safe from democracy sweeter than a melon tree put here for you and me where it's like they are going by their own rules they are off doing their own thing because the rest of the world has done them no good yeah it's it, again nilson the idea yes. that things are a bit off and it's we're kind of trying to make this yeah. work and we're making it work but there's god must have working. landed here why else would he strand us here where the air is nice and clear sweet haven even sounds so near to heaven it's great yeah i mean and that's where I I think this, you know, especially if you're going to compare it to, to Annie, like this is on another level thanks to not just Nilsson, but Altman being a little more, I think, open to, to that and having that like Altman kind of needed to needs to like, you know, stick it to. Yeah some type of of system uh well yeah i think that uh, everybody involved in this movie is kind of bitter yeah yeah and they have every reason to be uh but also speaking about the annie thing uh, one thing that i always think about with sweet sweet haven is the similarity that it has to tomorrow uh melodically uh it's like uh yes yes uh, so I always kind of think that it's going to go da, 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 tomorrow, tomorrow, which so, is, yeah, as, I mean, as featured in the movie, Dave, I mean, I, <laughs> I almost, I'm like almost wondering and I'm, I'm, I want to like look back and see like, when was this released? When was Annie released? I'm pretty sure this came out before Annie. 
But by... was the Annie musical, was that a play before it was a movie? Oh, yes, 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 yes. It was, yeah. So so I wonder if Nils, I wonder if that was intentional. I wonder if Nilsson. The Annie movie came out in 82. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, and you know what's also interesting, an interesting parallel is that, that you've got. Sorry, the song Tomorrow was written in 77. Yes. So that's, I'm one, I wonder if Nilsson was intentional. That would be honestly, I wouldn't put it past Nilsson. That's the kind of some Nilsson ass shit right there. That's some Nilsson ass (laughs) shit. That's some Altman shit. Like, come on, that's Robert Evans. Yeah, I I love it. Um, Yeah, what a what a weird what a weird team of people. But I think that you know, looking back at it, and I hope that people do look back at this movie and enjoy it for what it is because everything does fit together. Everything does make sense for what it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me it it almost it's kind of like the movie is like the town of Sweet Haven. Yeah. And it's almost like everything about it is perfectly appropriate yeah. to it. Yes. But to be an outsider there's something off. If you're not part of Sweet Haven, you come in and you see that some it's like things are. And actually, Popeye experiences it when he when he first arrives and everyone's like running and hiding and oh, a stranger. And, you know, yeah, he's just like, OK, this place like uh, a port town is like xenophobic. What? Yeah, there's always that sense of like something's off about Sweet Haven. There's people abandoning babies yeah randomly yeah it's it's a very strange place and it's a very strange movie i also and and i also think that and and here's where i feel like contemporary audiences looking at it really might not know what to make of it because i feel like we grew up like you know we were able to watch the old popeye cartoons yeah on whatever whether like reruns or cbs sunday mornings yeah, uh, so it, like you knew Popeye, and I, but although I like, I feel like I remember seeing this movie very early on. And if you know Popeye, it makes sense. And what I love about it is the practical effects and how they really Absolutely. replicate in live action what you would see in a cartoon and the music yeah. and and not just like you know the the you know instrumental music and the theme like during the when he's brawling with uh Dennis Franz and and Oh the, yeah, uh, I forget that Dennis Franz is one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, when like when he's doing that brawl or when he's in the the boxing match or even the final like after he has the spinach. Yeah. I mean the scenes with the octopus just everything beginning to end was just like yes this is the cartoon this is a cartoon come to life. Right. Well when you're Bill you're, Irwin all Bill this Irwin. shit he does. Well and, it was kind of brilliant to hire circus performers to yes. to be in those roles people who could contort themselves in silly ways. And uh, it just works. I know that it didn't work for people at the time, but maybe that's because it was such a cynical movie and people were expecting something different. But I think that having grown up on this movie and even watching it back now, I can see it for what it is meant to be. And it's kind of amazing that it got made in the way that it did. And of course, with all the odds stacked against it, with all of its production problems. Yeah, 
But I think especially, you know, in, in our our world that we live in where, you know, there of all of these adaptations and what should it be and oh we're make you know doing this beloved property and now it's so yeah. commonplace at the time i mean i guess superman had just been yeah uh, mm-hmm. adapted but you know this wasn't happening all the time uh-huh. i think they nailed it i think that altman especially like altman kind of working out of his comfort zone uh there's some areas where it definitely it comes across, but I would say for the most part, the visual aspect and his flair that he adds to it fits to Absolutely. Popeye. Yeah. You know, even more impressed with it, watching it now. And it's so easy for me to watch it and see it and overlook, oh, overlook those flaws and really focus on like the damn, wow, they got it right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to get anything done in a way that isn't formulaic and Robert Altman did it. And I mean, that's what he does. He does things in his own style and uh, whether you like it or not, that's, that's how he's going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. You have no choice. I I feel like you're quoting the documentary there. Oh geez. Yeah. The documentary. It's so just like Sally Kellerman say that. Oh geez. Probably. Another but Altman. no, but it, but that yeah. is it is true. I mean, he wasn't going to do something just for the sake of appeasing somebody. I mean, no. it's why I mean, before this, I think maybe the his most notable movie before this bef- I'm sorry. The last movie that he did before this that I think was notable was Nashville, which was 75. And then I think it was still like almost a decade later that people really started caring about his work with like 10 or 80, 10 or 88. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that that kind of like put him in back in a position where people were just like, what's Robert Altman doing? Uh, oh, yeah. like, but the player was what really put him back on. Well, yeah. 92. Uh, yeah. Well, Vincent and Theo, I, well, that was a TV series, but no, no, that was Vincent and Theo. That was a, Oh, with Tim Roth and uh, Paul Reese. Yeah, why did I think that that was a series? No, Tanner 88 was a series. No, 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 Vincent and Theo, it's a TV miniseries. Anyway. Uh, I mean, I remember, I pre- I'm fairly sure I remember it having a theatrical release. Oh, well, but, but yeah, the, mean, the player and then shortcuts. I mean, then he was just like, you know, he's back. I mean, I think the player was really his his return to form. Well, what's also kind of amazing is that, the, I mean, the player... That is a a large undertaking, at least in terms of scheduling. <laughs> oh. You know, thinking about all of the gigantic mega celebrities that were in that. But it is a uh, it is a dense movie that is very ambitious, and it's it's Robert Altman doing something very ambitious at a time when, you know, maybe. It, for most other people, they would be trying to play it more safe. And he was just like, no, I'm going to do this thing where the first shot is eight minutes long. It doesn't stop and it doesn't use any camera trickery. It's all just completely mapped out and carefully planned. Yeah. It's amazing. And and he's still able to get all of these, like, like the biggest stars of the time to like do his bidding. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And like, you know, did it till like right through his last film, uh, yeah. Prairie Home Companion. That's right. Meryl Streep, Lily Tomlin, Kevin Klein, L- Lindsay Lohan, you know, in, in 2006. Virginia Madsen. Virginia Madsen <laughs> is, is in there. Well, I mean, geez, is Lyle Lovett in it? Uh, <laughs> it feels like Lyle Lovett should be in it, right? Probably. He's, he's one of the Robert Altman players. Yeah, yeah, one of the, like, the, the new generation. The new Robert Altman yeah, players. Yeah, the new Robert Altman yes. players. Is that the new Main Street Singers? <laughs> yes, yes. That's ex- exactly, yes. All right. And isn't, wait, isn't Paul Dooley in the Main Street Singers? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow, the connection is made. Yes. Linking Altman to Christopher Guest. Oh, brilliant. Wow. Uh, so, Dan, clearly there are, There are always things going on with Popeye, including chicken restaurants and wimpies and all that kind of stuff. Uh, What do you think should happen next? I mean, there was this 2010 animated version, which the test footage reminded me of that's the the Peanuts movie that came out. Mm. um, Yeah. Not too long after. Maybe it was 2015, 2016. And uh, the, the animation style felt very similar. Yeah, which is why I'm kind of like reluctant. I've, you know, had a couple of ideas and the one that I that I feel like I'm settling on as like a I'd be interested in this. I don't know that it could be made the way that I want to see it made, Mm -hmm. which would be an animated hand drawn shot for shot remake. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> like, so so Robert Altman's Popeye, but done animated I in a be- style indicative of the 80s or late 70s. I just I'm like, you know what? Because that would show how good this the live uh, action. Ver- because why is it? That's the direction we're going these days. Would it be, Everything- a, mus- would it be a musical? Oh, I no, guess it would I, have to be if it's shot for shot. I would say so shot for shot, maybe cutting out the song that Pappy sings in the middle of the chase scene yeah nobody asked for that no no nobody asked for that mr hand it just (laughs) it stops the momentum oh yeah and there's not much momentum there to begin with that's a pretty it it only now just occurred to me that ray walston in 1982 plays a character named mr hand then in 1992 plays a character in of mice and men candy who has no, who has only one mm, hand. All right, there's really well, that's interesting. A thing. It's a coincidence. So I was like, do I want to see this on stage? And so here's the yes, only if you could do it with circus performers yes. and do the like. I'm like a stage production would be really good, except you would need to get the circus performers. And honestly, I would want the stage production to use the Nilsson songs. Yeah, why not? But when it came, when I was thinking about like, all right, do I want stage production? Do I want an actual like live action remake? And who could do that? And I was like, maybe Spike Jones. I'm like, would that be fun? Yeah, Michelle yeah. Gondry. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I like that's kind of where I was thinking. I'm like, I don't know, but ultimately, we're seeing live action remakes of animated films. Well. Yeah, I want to see an animated remake of a live action film. That's cool. I like and that. And I think yes, I'm gonna go with the the rare, the rare shot for shot remake. 
I, I have no arguments. Fabulous. What <laughs> are your thoughts? Well, I I I wouldn't mind seeing a an not a remake, but another live action attempt at Popeye. I feel like this isn't a not to say that animation is only for kids, but Popeye is not a character that kids are asking for, right? You and I both have kids. They're not like gotta see the new Popeye show. Well, that's part of the problem. Is yeah. like I Popeye really? There's there's I don't, there's no relevance. I don't know. Well, but I think that if there was a fun live action movie for Popeye, then uh, it could get some interest from all audiences. Kind of like like the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. I didn't mm. see either of those, but I saw the first one. It's yeah, it's fine. It's good, but I don't know if I would have any animated elements. Like, as you wouldn't need anything animated. No, 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 no. no. He does have a, a dog in the comics named Jeep. That could be animated. I don't know. I don't think that everybody's really asking for I don't that. Think we, I, don't, I, yeah. I don't think we need but, a dog. But so what I did is I just assembled some names for people who I'd like to see in the, the characters. Oh yeah. Here's my here's okay. my list for actors who I'd want to see as Popeye. And uh we can after I go through this list talk about it if you'd like. So, uh I had a I had a bunch for this one. And a lot of them for different reasons. I think that Jeremy Allen White would make a fun Popeye. Uh from Shameless, The Bear, which I've been watching the second season, it just came out. It's so good. Excited to see him play Kerry Von Erich in the upcoming The Iron Claw. Yeah, he's doing the the wrestling film. And but he's I know that he is somebody who can move on his feet. I think that he has a dancing background. Like he also is very physically fit. And uh, I don't know, he's kind of got like a really interesting face. I feel like he could do a Popeye kind of a thing. I also think that Ryan Gosling would be a fun Popeye. We know that he's good on his feet. He's funny. He can do whatever you need him to do. This one is really a jaw casting decision, but Kieran Culkin. He's got a great jaw. He's got he is a Popeye character. Uh we mentioned this one on our, our last episode, but Channing Tatum would be a fun Popeye. I'm thinking mostly of his work in Hail Caesar, where he's got the oh. sailor thing going on. Uh he's a great <laughs> dancer. <laughs> So we know that he can uh, he can move. I think that Bradley Cooper would be fun. If we're going to skew older, one tier would be Steve Zahn. The next tier would be William H. Macy. Oh, wow. Okay. So, right. yeah, if we're, if we're doing an older Popeye, I'd say William I, H. Macy, maybe a little younger than that, would be Steve Zahn. I would, I would add in there Sam Rockwell. Well, Sam Rockwell can do anything. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. But I'm not. But then again, so can Gary Oldman. I'm not not throwing Gary Oldman into the mix there. Uh, how I think of those of your contenders, my I think Jeremy Allen White is interesting to me as the younger yeah. Popeye. I feel like for so it just kind of t- going along because you're talking about it. I'm thinking about it. Uh, I feel like anyone involved with the Barbie movie. It's kind of like the that's fair. That's fair. You, you have to sit Popeye out. Um, yeah, I'm. Which I'm so. I'm very interested. I am so interested in this Barbie movie. So intrigued. That comes out um, soon, right? 
Uh, I believe so. I, yeah, summer summer point. movie soon. Yeah. All right. So who okay, else? Okay. So for my right. for my uh, olive oils. Yeah. I have uh, one who I think has maybe. I don't know. Okay, Kristen Wiig. I think could pull off an olive oil. I think just all around. I mean, maybe she's. I don't know. I guess it depends on what what age you're doing Popeye, but you know, she'd be a great olive oil. Phoebe Waller bridge is another person that I thought of. You don't typically see her doing goofy, but I don't think that she's incapable of it. Okay. Blue. I, I, well, olive oil. Oh. That's I'd say olive oil is a hard one to cast. Chloe Feynman. See, I don't care for her. Sorry. If you're listening, you don't think I, but you, you don't think she could do a good olive oil. I, I'm, I don't buy into her shtick. I'm like, I didn't care for Shelley Duvall in much other than... Uh, right, but it's a matter of, can you do a yeah. good olive oil? I don't think that she can... Yeah. I don't know. No. I no. think that she could right. convince people that she was good, but would she be actually good? I don't know. Uh, for Bluto, which is the only other character that I really considered, first, because I have to throw him in, he's our guy, past guest Gabrus. Mm. I don't... I mean... How fun would that be? I, I I think Gabrus would definitely make that would definitely make that work. Um, <laughs> I feel I mean, like I feel like these three people that I have, if you combine them all together, they'd make the perfect Bluto. So that's Gabrus, Jason Momoa, and Nick Offerman. Okay, those are my three. If you could Nick just o- mush them together, oh man, Nick Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman would be the best. Nick Offerman would be fantastic as yeah. Bluto. Um, in fact, that makes me think because, of course, I'm like, you know, hmm, I'm thinking of some pro wrestlers who would make a good. I'm thinking of a guy named Braun who goes by the name Braun Strowman okay. uh, for the look. But I'm like, no, nah, I'd rather see Nick Offerman. Well, you know that Nick Offerman would do something really fun with it. And I think that this would be an opportunity to maybe get people to like Bluto a little bit. Hmm. Because Bluto is just like inherently unlikable. You know, speaking of, so I I just kind of like was watching one of the cartoons. Oh, no, no, go on. We'll come back to what I was thinking. No, and this cartoon, this whole short was basically like Olive Oil goes out on a picnic date with both Bluto and Popeye. And Bluto spends the First whole- of all, the, the, the kings and queen of the poly world. <laughs> <laughs> oh well it was not working out for them this day because well bluto kept fucking with popeye and kept playing all these pranks on him and popeye was getting pissed off and olive oil kept being like oh popeye can't you take a joke and oh that's so funny it's so funny and then like popeye does like one thing and they were like giving him shit for it and i i was like man not only is bluto just being a dick but olive oil's uh, like egging him on and like encouraging him, and I'm like, this in is the, not the olive oil in the I cartoons know and in the comic strip. Olive oil is not very cool. She is constantly being all wishy washy with our hero's feelings. Yeah, yeah. So definitely feel like like Shelley Duvall olive oil was was an improvement here. And yeah, uh, where it's like. Okay, well, she's gonna be with Bluto because, well, he, I, you know, he's he's large, you know. It's what's expected. Fine. Um, but then, you know, once she gets to know Popeye, she gets yeah. it. 
Uh, but who's your? I, oh, back to your cast. No, thing. I was no, just one real quick thing you were asking before about what moments stick out to me. Those oh, like, yes. you know, uh, when Bluto is going around at the party and he's got the flower and he's like, "She'll marry me." She won't marry me, and then like he beats the shit out of somebody. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that scene is so he good. Like, was he, he like stuffs Bill Irwin into something? Oh or? yeah, I mean he stuffs yeah. Bill Irwin into everything. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sorry. You can casting. say Bill Irwin. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, so those those were my those are my casting Wimpy? calls. I I don't know. You could. I do don't know. You know, Wimpy. you mentioned Karen Culkin before, and I'm like, I would love to see a Karen Culkin wimpy. You want to see a skinny wimpy? Well, no. I mean, I you could I could like you know see him pull cup or something. I don't know. You know and, Brendan Fraser, the whale wimpy. Yeah, maybe. Re- or get you real depressed. You could have Gabrus. You know, another Gabrus uh, could be a fun wimpy. Gabrus could be a fun uh, could be a fun wimpy. I could okay. definitely see him. I could see him you know, into whatever. You know who I would really like to be wimpy, and this one is for podcast fans out there. Who listened to the Doughboys podcast? Nick Weiger. Dan, do you listen to the Doughboys podcast? I do not. Okay. It is delightful. It is hosted by Nick Weiger, aka the Burger Boy. And oh. yeah, and and Mike Mitchell, aka Spoonman. Mike Mitchell has more of a Bluto-y look, but Weiger, he's the Burger Boy. And and uh Mitch, Mike Mitchell, um, who's done podcasts with me before. Uh, he was in the movie The Tomorrow War. He's in the new uh, Twisted Metal series with Anthony Mackie. Oh, so he oh, he shows up and stuff. Okay, and I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, big bearded guy. Yeah, yeah. So funny. He's in yeah, the, I the, the, Tomorrow the War. Netflix show Love. He's on that. He's Randy. Okay. Nick Weiger, who is not an actor, is the burger boy. And this would please a lot of podcast fans out there. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> that's great. So that's your your wimpy. Oh, um, you know, uh, who we I don't think we mentioned earlier was Richard Libertini, who's in the cast. Richard of, Libertini, of Poppy, Popeye, Poppy. Uh, Richard Libertini, um, who was in um, uh, which we call it Fletch. He's the editor in Fletch. Oh, yeah, 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 and uh. We did another movie that he was in. You know, he, God, who does, who does he look like? I was thinking like. Kind of Vincent Chiavelli. Yeah, he has a very Vincent Chiavelli look. Vincent Chiavelli on a good day. I wanted to point him out in this movie because he is just one of those. He's like Donald Moffat where he's one of those people who's like, yeah, "Yeah, it's that guy. Also for. People, notable people in the 1980 Popeye cast, Wesley Ivan Hurt, who plays Sweepy. Oh. He's Robert Altman's grandson. He was put into the role because he had like a weird little crooked smile. Cutest kid. Adorable. Amazingly cute kid. Shines in this movie. Yes. I looked him up. He's, uh, I think, a teacher, a math teacher in Kentucky or something. Um Hope he's doing well. I tried to good, good for him. I tried to, you know, get in contact with him, but uh, perhaps he does not want to be contacted. But he uh yeah, he was a great baby actor. I mean, he's really, you know, featured in this. So, you know, and considering he's not like a twin. Right. And I will say this, 
you know, it's a it's a nepo baby casting situation done right. I yeah. mean, find me a better baby to be sweepy. You no, can't. That's my that's sweepy. Yeah. No substitutions. Delightful. Yeah. So Popeye, this was so much it was so much fun. I was so excited to come in and talk about Popeye. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. Um, oh, you know what? Another thing I was thinking of would be fun. Uh, I would be like, I was thinking of a podcast kind of like the um Turner uh, uh the I think is it TCM, uh, the plot thickens. Mm-hmm. Uh just like a season about like just a tumultuous making. I feel like a podcast se- uh season about the making of Popeye. I was yeah, I was thinking like a not necessarily the disaster artist style, but you know what I mean? Like a yeah. a movie that goes into the making of Popeye because Think about the cast of characters you got. You have Robin Williams, Robert Evans, <laughs> Harry Nilsson, oh, I mean, Robert Altman, Shelley Duvall. Like that's that'd be really fun to to emulate. Yeah, it really would. But it would be too. It almost would be like an SNL sketch of one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it, it'd be so bonkers, and you know, except how many people would get all the Harry Nilsson jokes? All the people who have seen that documentary. It would be for us. Yes. Yeah. One for us. So speaking of, uh, shall I share <laughs> what our next uh, cinematic voyage, where our se- please, next cinematic... Please, So, yes, we will be going from from water to ice as we hit the ice with, with Paul Newman in 1977, Slapshot, directed by George Roy Hill, our third George Roy Hill-Paul Newman collaboration. I love it. And, uh, you know, the Hanson brothers and every everything else, just legendary about Slapshot. Uh, great cult flick. Uh, our first, I think our first hockey movie, right? <laughs> we haven't done the Mighty Ducks. That's what, right. Are, what other hockey movies are there? Um, uh, Strange Brew. Strange Brew. <laughs> Could that be considered a hockey movie? <laughs> That's the closest thing because they play that weird hockey yeah, exactly. thing in it. But, oh, man, I can't wait to talk about Strange Brew, but that's another <laughs> movie for another time. No, we're talking about Slapshot on the I'm next episode. psyched. Me too. Can't yeah. wait to watch it. Well, Dan, as you are off to save, uh, save olive oil on, I think it's called Scab Island, I wish you a good journey. Good journey. Watch out for that octopusy. Octopussy.